May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast. This is episode 27. Nice. 27. That's right. And uh, it's me, Jeremy. And uh, I got Alex with me here this week. Good to be back. It is good to have you back. The... The uh, Benjamin could not make it tonight. He is, who knows what he's doing. He's eating Doritos. You know, he's probably, (laughs) hey, that's where we'd all like to be right now. (laughs) Eating a big old bowl of jalapeno cheddar Doritos and watching fail videos on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Fail videos never get old. (laughs) I almost feel, you can't watch them too long because they are such a time waster. Oh, yeah. uh, (laughs) I'm always amazed that someone caught it on camera. Like, not just that this happens. Some of the things you just have think, you been outside in the last couple of years. Everybody outside who's walking or standing is looking at their phone. Yeah, that's true. You're half a second away from hitting the record button on your camera, right? Yeah. So it's just, it's everywhere, and and people are expecting stuff to go wrong, so they get yeah. the camera out and they're filming sure. filming Uncle Terry, you know, trying to do a slack wire. Yeah. And it's like, that's not going to work. Let's, no. let's videotape this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the guy with the camera is someone who's not your friend. No. Because they're letting you do it, but they're hoping that it goes yeah. wrong. And then they laugh at you when you need help. <laughs> Take note. Oh, human nature. This is human nature. There's something in us that likes seeing other people fail. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Which brings us to our topic. Yes, speaking of which. <laughs> speaking of which. So this is going to be the third part of our uh, series on the doctrine of man, on yeah. anthropology. We started off talking about creation and the purposes that God had for creating humanity. Then we talked about the fall uh, and how we fell into sin through our parents, uh, through Adam and Eve, and through their sin. And what, uh, you know, what that entailed for us as people now born into that situation. And today we're talking about uh, the redemptive side. So yeah. the restoration, this is, this is the good news, right? The, the gospel encompasses all three of these ideas, right? Yeah. Creation, fall, and redemption. Yeah. But this would be the, the good part of the mm-hmm. good news. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't make any sense, of course, without the bad news beforehand. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know where you want to start, but I guess I guess we could recap the creation and fall so that we can sort of set this up. Of so course. Maybe, let's do a real quick recap of yeah. where we're at. Well, what we've been trying to do when we talk about humanity, the doctrine of man, is we've been doing it from the story, the plot structure of Scripture, right? We've been saying you can't think of humanity apart from understanding our story. And in Scripture, the story moves from creation to fall to redemption. And depending how you define a new creation, um, you know, redemption, there's a, there's a present and a future aspect. So redemption mm. covers all of those things. But so, you know, the way, the reason we do this is uh, when you talk about what does it mean to be human, um, well, the doctrine of creation tells us the purpose of humanity. And, um, but if we only have Genesis 1 and 2, our doctrine, our understanding of who we are and who we were created to be um, is actually very limited because according to scripture and our own experience, that is not all there is to be human. Mm -hmm. There's a fall. There's a profound 
and a, um, uh, a, a huge problem that's impossible to remedy. You know, what, what is the problem with the world? Well, I am. Yeah. And the deepest problem in the world is not out there. Um, it's not in the environment around us. It's not just in other people, but it exists within us. And that mm-hmm. is the corruption of sin and rebellion <clears throat> and unbelief. Right. And, but then even that's not a full picture. So this week we're talking about the redemption. So we think about the creation of humanity and our purpose. One, we're creatures. Yeah. We are we are not just molecules in motion. Uh, we exist as those who have been created by a creator, God, mm-hmm. and therefore owe him all of our allegiance and obedience and trust and love mm-hmm. and worship. It also means that there's a purpose because God doesn't create anything with no purpose. Exactly. Apart from God, a creator God, there is no purpose. And what we don't mean is you can't sincerely believe that you have a purpose, but there is no rational basis for that. Yeah. But the doctrine of creation embeds um, in this world a profound sense of purpose and meaning. And right. pe- people are longing for that. And it's no surprise that in a uh, materialist understanding of things, people feel hopeless and lost and purposeless. And someone like Jordan Peterson comes along who wants to talk about meaning and becomes enormously popular. Yeah. And I don't think it's for I don't think it's for, you know, the Kathy Newman videos alone, or even specific things he says. It's that it is so rare to hear someone talk to you as if your life has meaning. Mm-hmm. Not just what you should do to get a job or what you should do to get a girl or how you should make people like you or a survival video, you know, essentially. But an actual like, well, what's beneath that? Yeah, he's talking at a more fundamental level. A more fundamental level. Yeah. And so we were created to know God and to know each other. We were created in the image of God with inherent dignity and worth. We Adam was placed in the garden, which is pictured in Genesis as a temple. It's a garden temple where he is to be a priest. He is to exercise dominion. He is to reflect God's nature and his rule to all of creation mm-hmm. as a servant uh, leader. Hmm. So I think this is really important to, to keep all of this in mind. Because when you're talking about the good news, when you're talking about the redemption, it has to answer the questions that are raised by the first two things we've talked about. 100%. So when, yeah. we, when we hear these uh, shallow gospel messages preached, like have your best life now or come to Jesus because he loves you, um, you know, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll give you some meaning or purpose, whatever, whatever the shallowness of it is, yeah. they're not addressing... No, the 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 purpose we were created for, which yes. is like you said, to have dominion and to worship. Yes, uh, all of these things need to be fulfilled in the good news. Yeah, and and you know, my professor put it: if it, there's no without a doctrine of creation, there's no doctrine of the cross. Right, and he's one hundred percent right. Yeah, you know, the cross didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, the cross, as we'll look at, is God restoring his image in the world through his mm. son, Jesus Christ, who now is his image and saves people who are being recreated. Literally, the new birth is a new creation. Right. 
And all of the, look at John's gospel, in the beginning was the Word. But then it goes on to say in the New Testament that we have been created through the Word of God, not just the world being born by the Word and the Spirit, but now a people being born by the Word and the Spirit. So God's plans and purposes in Genesis 1, he didn't give up on. No, it's not like, well, that didn't work. No, it's plan uh, B. We're just going to send Jesus in a couple thousand years and he's no. going to forgive everybody's sins and they can go on living. No. No, no. The point is to restore the original purpose. It will even go further. And, right. And go further. Yes. Because right? Adam and Eve did not have what we have. It wasn't complete. No. They, no. Were, they were sinless at first. Yeah. But uh, if you think of it this way... They like they weren't clothed with the righteousness of Christ mm. uh, just from being sinless. Mm-hmm. They were because because God saved them and He saved people in the Old Testament mm-hmm. the same way as in the New, right? Through the sacrifice of Christ. Yeah, it's just they were looking forward to it, and now we're looking back on it. Yeah, but just being a, a new creation that hasn't sinned yet—that's not where we're going to be. That's no. not where we are. That's, we're not restarting this thing. No, where we are. <clears throat> We're going beyond that. Uh, we're going beyond to what that always pointed towards. Right. And um, Jesus is the true and better Adam. Right. He's not just, I'll do what he was supposed to do and no more. Right. He is a, a better picture. Everything that we were supposed to be, Christ uh, epitomizes to the right. fullest degree. Which is why the New Testament narrative about Jesus sort of recapitulates uh, the 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 creation story right yes Where, and with like with Christ in the wilderness being tempted right by the devil yes that's sort of okay this is the same thing the Adam garden. went through yeah except and, he didn't except fail it, yeah he triumphs over it and so yeah he's he's more than the second Adam in that sense yes he's the last Adam right and so so we'll get to that so if you don't have a thorough understanding of creation God's purposes for the world for humanity. Um, your understanding of, most importantly, who Jesus is, because Jesus in the Bible is the fulfillment of all that humanity was meant to be. Well, what was humanity meant to be? Well, that begins in Genesis mm-hmm. 1 and continues throughout all of Scripture and is progressively revealed through the covenants. It doesn't end in Genesis 1. The doctrine of humanity isn't complete in Genesis 1. It begins there and it's foundational. But as we move through Scripture, we see the role of, of humanity through Adamic figures, Noah, mm-hmm. Abraham, Moses, David. David. They're all presented as Adamic figures, figures who are to represent the people, to embody mm-hmm. what it means to be human. The nation of Israel itself was described right. as God's son. So the nation, <clears throat> now not even just one person, but this people is to be a royal priesthood. And is to collectively together reflect God's glory to the to the world. So even Genesis one isn't a complete picture of God's will for humanity, but we need to start there. Yeah. So then we talked about fall, and you can't understand humanity, you can't understand Jesus, you can't understand the cross, you can't understand yourself. Yep. Unless you can reckon with the reality of what's gone wrong. And if you don't do that, you don't stop pointing fingers and blaming something or someone. 
you just misdiagnose it. Yep. You know, oh, the problem is communists. Oh, the problem is capitalists. Oh, the problem is Republicans or liberals or conservatives or the right or the left or climate change or video games. Video <laughs> games. Yeah. It's, and all of these things may be problems, yeah. but these things are all symptoms yeah. <clears throat> of a deeper problem. And the Bible tells us that is a rejection of God's rule. It is a rebellion against him, is a failure to trust in his mm-hmm. goodness and benevolence. Keep in mind, it was a garden of yes and a tree of no. Yeah. And they had everything that they needed, and it was a lack of contentment and trust. It was high treason. It was mm-hmm. the desire to rule over God rather than serve under him. Mm-hmm. All of these things, the scriptures um, reveal to us, the desire to live autonomously, you know, self-ruled. Yeah. And this is where every other world religion and philosophy goes wrong. And yeah. sadly, even many in the church yeah. don't fully understand this and operate on the principle that we're all basically good and we just yeah. go we go astray because of upbringing or bad education yes. or whatever. And those and people who do that will be the most critical of someone or something because you still need someone to blame. Yes. But it will just be oh the people who don't agree with this or something. Um it, it it just falls apart. But when we understand, when we have the humility to see just the depths of our fall, um, you know, we're humbled. And this is why you begin at Genesis 1, because even that, it's hard to see the depths of your fall if you don't have a high standard of what the goal was. Yeah, it, And it's like the Pharisees, they tithe their dill and their cumin. And their spices, it's like, okay, well, on one sense, that's impressive. But Jesus says, no, it's not. You do these things, and you should do it, but you ignore the weightier matters of the law, justice and righteousness, justice and mercy. And it's like, well, it's easy easy to pinch some cumin. It's actually hard to care for the poor. Yeah. And what we like to do is set up a standard that's easy for us to achieve to say, you know what, I'm a really good person. Or I'm not Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> well, well. by the way, you're probably more like him than you think. Yeah. <laughs> As we're seeing today, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that before, about how guys like Hitler and Stalin, they didn't think they were bad people. You know, just like all these vaccine Nazis out there now, like yelling at people that aren't getting vaccinated. Yeah. They think they're the most righteous and... You oh, know, they're doing what's good for everyone. Who, yeah. They're just little bureaucratic tyrants out yeah. there, self-righteous tyrants. Oh, yeah. We'll um, keep everyone safe we'll, you know, as they stand on the bodies. Yeah. <laughs> so now we want to talk about, well, what's, okay, that's what we're meant f- to live for, and we failed, now what? Mm-hmm. And the glory of the gospel is that, as we've said, God's plan was never to abandon his purposes in the world. And although he could have simply crushed Adam and Eve and ended the whole project there, he didn't in Genesis 3, the Proto-Evangelion, the mm-hmm. first gospel, um, where God comes to Adam and Eve and he he curses them, you know, as a result of their failure. Um, he curses Satan. and uh, But he also <clears throat> makes a promise. He makes a promise that through the seed of the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. Yep. And he clothes them, which implicit in that is something died and to to make uh, to be sacrificed in yep. order to clothe them, which foreshadowed 
that there needed to be an atonement and that there would be. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Exactly. And the rest of Scripture is a story of how God will redeem a sinful, fallen, corrupt humanity Mm. and um, restore the purposes that he had and take them even further Mm. in this world, in this life, and the one to come as well. Mm. So a couple texts I have um, to draw your attention to. one, when we talk about the image of God and that, that God didn't give up, if his goal for humanity is that they would reflect him to the world, uh, when they failed to do that, um, he didn't give up that purpose. And we see in Scripture that Jesus is the image of God, Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Hebrews 1.3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Mm. So Christ in Scripture is the perfect reflection of the glory of God. He is the perfect embodiment of the glory of God. And the height of this glory was manifest in the cross, so we, it, it would be wrong to think about the cross as kind of like a necessary thing that had to happen in order for God to restore his image. That is true, but it's not just that. The cross is, at the same time, Christ displaying to the fullest and ultimate degree what it means to be the image of God. And by that, I mean he is most fully reflecting the nature and the character of God in his humiliation and death Mm. in the place of sinners, which is why Philippians says, because he humbled himself to the point of death, he has been exalted and given the name above every name, so the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the the glory glory. of God the Father. How does it glorify the Father to exalt someone else? Well, one, they are one. But also, he can exalt Jesus and it can glorify him because to exalt Jesus is to exalt himself because Jesus is, it's God saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm like. Like you just read, he's the the image of the invisible God. Yeah. And where does he display that? Mm -hmm. Through his humiliation and death. Yeah. The Gospel of John's really good on this sort of thing. He talks about uh, in John 5, especially, you know, I and the Father are one. Yes. Uh, I don't do anything apart from the will of the Father. And so he's he's making him known, right? Uh, Even in John 1, he, um, um, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head, verse 18. Uh, I can't remember. And when, he, and when the disciple asks him, you know, show us the right, Father and right. this is enough. So if you've been with me this whole time and, and, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's right. So Jesus is, when we say that Jesus is the image of God, when Scripture says that, it means, amongst other things, that Jesus is all that Adam was meant to be um, as, as someone created in the image of God. Yeah. And he is more than that. And so all of a sudden we realize that okay, God is God is actually um, not just fixing this, but He is starting a new story. And then it's not mm-hmm. only Christ. We read in Ephesians four: put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. That Christians, 
the 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 good news of the gospel for those who trust in Christ is that they are restored to their original purpose. Right. And and this is maybe a bit of a rabbit trail for us like people often think Christianity is like setting aside humanity, like giving up your life and what it means to be human to take some um to to take on some crushing uh, soul-sucking burden. And that's because they don't understand what being human is. They don't understand what being human is. Yeah. It's like, when we put our trust in Christ and we obey all that He's commanded, we are the most yeah. us. Eat, drink, and be merry is not being human. No. Right? Hedonism is not humanity. No. It's a shallow caricature. It's a... a uh, what would you say? It is a an overemphasizing and a perversion of a certain aspect of yeah. of God's created yeah. order, right? Yeah, and so um, so let's let's yeah. get back to the cross for a minute yeah, yeah. too. Like what what's happening on the cross is uh, this is something a lot of people get tripped up on is why why the cross why the bloodshed uh, why the horror of that, uh, and we would say it's because God is holy he's just and he's loving and gracious right how can god be just and gracious at the same time when we when we contrast this to other religions like islam where you have a god who uh will he's going to forgive people at the end you don't know if it's going to be you or not you know there's uh the the scales of good and evil acts on on the one side and on the other and god's going to just he's going to decide who to forgive and who not to forgive on some capricious basis, right? But our God, the true and living God, has to punish sin. Every sin must be punished. Uh, every sin that we've committed and then the whole world commits. And so it's not, God God cannot just overlook sin and forgive. Yeah. In order for him to forgive, the sin must be punished. Yeah, and people, when they hear that, often wrongly think, well, that doesn't sound good. Like I forgive people without wanting to kill them kind of thing. But yeah. Genesis is at nine where it says, you know, if a man sheds innocent blood by man, shall his blood be shed. Yeah. Why? For man is created in the image of God. And this is a, this is something fundamental that people misunderstand about justice. Retributive justice. That is an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You, you, uh, reap what you sow. Um, when you take the life, that verse says, when you when someone takes a life wrongly, his life must be forfeit, not because God is capricious or not gracious, but because that's not the only thing that matters when a crime is committed. Part of what justice requires is the upholding of the value of right. the victim. That's right. And that is exactly what Genesis, I think, 9, 6 and is. And you don't get that by locking someone in jail and giving them three meals a day for the rest of the no, life. No, because what you are saying is that that person that you killed isn't worth much. They're not worth the same as you. They're actually worth less. Yeah. But when God says, no, they, you took their life, I'm taking yours, he is upholding the equal dignity and the value of the victim. Yeah. The, I mean, the problem in Scripture is not how could a loving God punish sin? It's how like, can he forgive sinners? That is, that is the problem. Yeah. Um, sorry, I... 
where is that verse uh, that he may be just and justifier? Yeah, Romans four. Romans I think. four, right? So God must be just. And yes. I, I use this illustration. I, I got it from, uh, I believe I got it from Ray Comfort. Um, the the image of the the judge. So you're standing. Let's say somebody violates someone in your family, and you're in court. The person standing before the judge, the person who's who who committed the crime, and the judge just says, "You know what? I'm feeling gracious today. You can go free." That's not that's not just. It's not loving. It's not gracious. Yeah. You know, you violated somebody else's uh, being. Right? Oh, of course. And so that pun that needs to be punished. Yeah. And so a just reaction would be. Uh, you're you're going to be punished, and then you know people are free to forgive. Yeah, right? uh, but um, the the sin must be punished. And yeah. so Christ on the cross is bearing the sin. I would say for for his elect, for all those who who will come to him, uh, and he's taking those those sins upon himself and bearing the wrath of the Father on our behalf, mm-hmm. right? So that the Father can have mercy on us, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's Paul in Romans 4 is actually he's anticipating the question in his mind is like how's God going to forgive people? Yeah. And still be like he's the people he's talking to are going to hear him and be like you kidding me? Like that guy is going to heaven? Yeah. What kind of god is that? Um <clears throat> And if and, and the fact that we don't feel that way just reveals a, a very dangerous self righteousness, right? About feeling that you're generally good yeah, enough. Again, we don't understand the depth of depravity of our own hearts. Yeah, yeah. we don't understand, and we don't. We have a small view of what it means to be loving, of what it means to be righteous, of what, we, yeah. what it means to be just. We have this little truncated version that we measure ourselves by, and you know what that version looks like? It looks like the mirror. Hey, what do you know? <laughs> Yeah. Righteousness looks like Alex. Yeah. <laughs> All the things that I'm good at and I care about and yeah. you know. Second Corinthians five twenty one. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That mm-hmm. sort of sums up what I'm talking about. There, yes. That, that Christ was made to be sin on our behalf so that we could have his righteousness. Yeah. And it's again, it's not only a taking of our sin. And the punishment of our sin, but we're receiving something as well. Yeah. A, we're being regenerated by the Holy Spirit. We're yeah. able, we're not now we're able to see our sin. Uh, we should have sorrow for sin. We're able to see who God is more clearly, but we're also being given the righteousness of Christ. Yes, His perfect life is now given to us. Yeah, which is not something you could get by just being a sinless Adam and Eve, right? No, and so that's that's the gift we've been given. Yeah. And what he's doing now, as as it relates to the doctrine of humanity, is he is recreating us in the image of Jesus to reflect him and um, be fully human. And uh, Romans 8.29, those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. First uh, Corinthians fifteen forty seven. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man, speaking of Christ, is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, that is Adam, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. 
And this project of recreating humanity in the image of Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection will one day be brought to completion. And First John talks about this. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And so maybe we'll break, we'll, we'll break some of this down practically. Part of the glory of this doctrine of, of, of the new humanity um, is that every Christian is not only possesses as all humanity inherent dignity of worth, but can live fully aligned with their purpose. Hmm. That, that futility uh, that so many people experience where their life and their purpose, which they're unaware of, just do not go together. A Christian can have the comfort, and not just the comfort, what's deeper than comfort, just the the peace, but even there's there's better language for it. The, the confidence. The, the confidence is serenity yeah. of knowing that you are living um, in accordance with who you were created to be. I mean, our world now, it's all about you create you. Yeah. You you are who you want to be to the point of you are not confined to anything in reality. There's no limits. There's no definitions. In fact, those things Except are when there are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, those things are evil. But yeah. but is that making people happy? Doesn't seem to be. No. The 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 purpose of life is whatever you say it is. But according to the gospel, the purpose of our existence is to image Christ. And to glorify God by imaging His Son, Jesus Christ. Um, and that that's an amazing thing. The other thing is, we're kind of getting at the doctrine of progressive sanctification here. Mm-hmm. And that we have been created in the image of God, and yet we are being conformed to the image of God, and we are not yet what we will be. Yeah. So this is, this is the gospel's the best, because it actually covers every base. So you say, Alex... That sounds cool, but uh, I'm a Christian, and I don't feel as though I'm living the best life I could. I don't feel as though I'm fulfilling my purpose as much as I could, I've, or I, I'm uh, I'm still very much a sinful person. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. <laughs> and uh, the doctrine of the new creation, part of it is just a future fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And when we see Jesus, we will be transformed fully and finally. And it, it can give you a hope that you don't actually spend your life looking in the mirror. See, this is this is how we think of, in a modern sense, how do you understand your purpose? You look inward. You yes. look inward, yeah, yeah. you look in the mirror, self-discovery. But according to Scripture, we look outward. We look yes. through the Word to Christ, and as we look to Him with unveiled face, we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. When we forget ourselves, when we lose ourselves, when we stop thinking about ourselves, and we focus on Him, we become the most us. Yeah. And that process will be completed one day. So whatever sins we struggle with, whatever weaknesses we struggle with, uh, one day those will be repaired. There's a there's a huge hope that not all the eggs are in the basket of this present existence. As much as we can have meaning and transformation, now there's more to come. Yes. 
And that's and just extraordinarily been, helpful. And we've been given the Holy Spirit as the down payment to exactly. that, right? Like we have the Holy Spirit bears witness within us as he sanctifies us through his word, through all the means of grace that, that we've been given. Yeah. Prayer and singing and, and study, all these things. We're getting a taste of that. And, yeah. and uh, I believe it's Colossians where Paul says this is, this is the, the Holy Spirit is the down payment so that we, we can trust that God's going to bring that to completion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, the, the, the doctrine of humanity reaches its climax in Christ and we realize our purpose uh, when we understand that we are being recreated in his image. Hmm. And um, the purpose of our lives is not to kind of find ourselves or discover ourselves, but it's actually to know him, to love him, to trust him, to seek him, to pursue him, to reflect him um, to the world. And that is a radically different existence. Hmm. Uh, then then we ourselves would you know we wouldn't make this up we would just think about us all day you know well that's that's what every other religion has yeah pursue right? yourself exalt yourself yeah um it's funny that the devil can't counterfeit the real the real deal yeah like everything he does never gets to the heart of it yeah and i don't know if it's cuz god's just restrained him or i mean he's clearly not dumb yeah so <laughs> yeah yeah the Chinese knockoff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Racist. I always knew you hated Chinese people. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were a racist. Um, I'm going to read a poem. Please. Actually, it's, I don't know. I don't even know if you'd call it a poem. This is, this is from some, uh, some liturgy from, uh, you know, from the Byzantine Empire, from a fellow named Cosmos the Melodist. Canon for Christmas Day is the, nice. Is the thing. So we're we're coming up on Christmas. We're not that far away. Isn't that great? We sang uh, at our midweek st- uh, study. We sang uh, "Joy to the World," which nice. wasn't written as a Christmas song. Huh. And if you actually read the lyric, it's only the first line that has anything to do with Advent. Right. Everything else is about. Uh, about Christ's rule and authority over yeah. over creation, which is it's so good. But it is so you, good. You hear it and you instantly think sleigh bells and Christmas and snow. Yeah, um, he comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse far is as found. The curse is found. Yeah. That is an amazing <laughs> line. I know, it's so good. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, I think we should be singing Christmas songs all year round. Anyway, preach, but. preach. All right. So this is uh, from the Eastern Liturgy, uh, from Cosmos the Melodist. Christ is born, tell forth his fame. Christ from heaven, his love proclaim. Christ on earth, exalt his name. Sing to the Lord, O world, with exaltation. Break forth with glad thanksgiving, every nation, for he has triumphed gloriously. Man in God's own likeness made, man by Satan's lies betrayed, man by sting of death dismayed, banished from hope of life and of salvation, by Christ today is made a new creation for he has triumphed gloriously. God the Maker, when his foes dragged us down to death and woe, bowed the heavens and came below, and the virgin's womb, his palace making, became true man, our human nature taking, for he has triumphed gloriously. Christ the wisdom, word and might, God and Son and light of light, concealed in Mary from the sight 
of worldly monarch and demonic spirit was born on earth that we might heaven inherit, and he has triumphed gloriously. That's awesome. Yeah, we need more stuff like that in our church services. 100%. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Did you just come across that as you read that book? Uh, I've yeah. So this is this is from two thousand years of Christ's power, which I've read I need from to before. Get that. It's a four volume set. It's fantastic. And so he goes through the different sort of eras, I guess you could say, uh, of of church history. And at the end of each, he'll include writings from some of the characters that he's talked about. And so those there'll be poems or letters or whatever. And so that's that's just from that. I just. I was kind of leafing through it today, mm. looking for something to read. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's been great. I'm going to read uh, one passage uh, of scripture as we close here from Revelation 19. This is, you know, we're still in the story, right? Uh, mm. Redemption's not complete. Our, our redemption has been won, but uh, our anthropology says there's more mm-hmm. for us in store, and so this is a picture of of what's in store. Revelation 19, uh, starting halfway through verse 6. Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And that's uh, a beautiful picture of the Church of Christ Mm -hmm. at the end of time that is presented spotless and blameless. Mm -hmm. We'll see you next week on the Dominion Podcast.